What's up, guys? Welcome to the Dabao Podcast. Jada here. In this series, we bring Malaysians all around the world to you. We will have a glimpse of how life is at their side of the world. Because it was so scary. I remember, like my my ex yeah. colleagues in Australia were asking me, like, "Oh, so like that was probably like." Are you sure? Yeah. No, you should. So they were asking me like questions, like, um, so you know, how are you gonna find your team? You know, what's your plan for your first client? And I'm like, I don't know, man. I'm just. <laughs> <laughs> I would just go with the flow. Exactly. Like- for those that have been studying and working abroad. COVID-19 has impacted and changed the well-crafted plans that we had. Some of us managed to stay back and continue striving for our dreams abroad, but some of us have to return earlier than planned. In this episode, we have a guest that recently returned home from Melbourne. Apart from coming back physically, she also managed to bring some part of business back as well. Let's welcome Looney from Pencil Rocket to the Tapao Podcast. Hi, Looney! Hey Jada, hope you're doing well there. All good for me. Like, how's the pandemic situation in Kuching? Like, the news are blasting about the increasing cases in East Malaysia and of course Kedah as mm. well. Actually, Kuching is pretty okay. Like Sarawak in general, these two months have been fine. There's there's been a spike in like I mean like three months before, but Sabah's pretty mm-hmm. bad. So I was actually gonna go hike Mount KK in next week but that's not wow. gonna happen with, with the current situation because i'll probably be quarantined if i go and come back yeah so kuching's actually doing pretty well which i'm like really really thankful about are there any state travel restrictions between like sabah and sarawak right now yeah so sarawak has been really strict friday so like starting from from saturday 3rd of october you have to be quarantined for 14 days if you if mm. you arrive in sarawak from a different state wow they are really strict about it Mm, they are, they are. I mean, like, they're trying their best mm-hmm. to keep, I, I guess, like, numbers yeah. as well, so it's good on them, but it's just um travel restrictions are back again. Uh, oh, dear. When can they remove everything <laughs> again? I know, I know. Quick introduction about Looney. Looney graduated from University of Melbourne, and right now, she's currently back in Kaching. Uh, share with us, how did you start your journey in Melbourne? I started uni there. I actually graduated from a Chinese independence high school in Malaysia. So I went straight oh. to first year. Yeah, from like uh, one mm-hmm. of those Tuchong. So I went straight into to, to first year of uni. Graduated, had a few internships and two full-time there. And also was also mm-hmm. side hustling with Panzer Rocket. But Melbourne was amazing. Wow. And like, um, I really, really loved the city. And although it was hard at the start just because of the language barrier, like I came from a very Chinese-speaking family and environment. <laughs> so that was a bit hard. But living abroad is such an eye-opening experience for me, personally. Like I came from um, a SMJK as well. Right. So when I went to Hong Kong, there are many international students like from, from the States, from England, from Australia. And I couldn't really understand their accent when they talked in yes. English. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> experience something like that as well for sure like um i w- during my first year that was probably the worst and we mm-hmm. i was in bachelor of arts so there was probably like 90 percent of straight local australians and like that 20 percent of asian but that accent mm-hmm. i i struggle i say sorry um sorry what was that oh like, sorry yeah exactly and and i felt it was embarrassing to start but actually a lot of times i feel oh, like yes. they do understand though like because um for, for me, at least, like English is my second language, and I I struggle with it at the start, and 
So people are usually pretty understanding about it. So it's it's good that way. Yeah, and then also like when I first came to Hong Kong, you know, I thought that. You know, being in international city means that you know if I'm able to speak in English, that will be sufficient.、Mm. But like the reality is that、Mental. you still need to, yeah, even speak in Cantonese like to order food without getting scolded. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. like, did you have any expectations like that went totally wrong after being in Melbourne? Hmm, I wouldn't say so. I wouldn't say expectations that went. Wrong because I didn't I didn't I I went without like much expectations a go with the flow person I feel that sometimes that might change it a bit but but Melbourne I I learned so much there like everything from like cooking cleaning how to get help like legit I've never cooked in,、oh, in Malaysia、um, yeah <laughs> and then, like you live with family my mom is like the she does everything for me embarrassing enough the first time I cooked a hard boiled egg in Melbourne I actually did not put water into it so <laughs> thank God like you didn't put the rice cooker on the stuff no I did not do that but that was like really bad because I was at my cousin's place and then she she came、mm. out from the shower she's like what's that burning smell and then she's like where's the water I'm like are you supposed to put in water but no that was <laughs> that's very very long time ago I can. I can cook pretty okay dishes, like cook to survive in a way. So、mm-hmm. <laughs> life skills, and I feel like you appreciate family more after you you go. Oh,、through. definitely. Yeah, you yeah. don't take those things for granted anymore.、I、exactly.、Think. Yeah, where I I、mm-hmm. definitely used to when I was like back in high school, like um primary.、Mm-hmm. The interesting part is that you went directly from high school to um to Melbourne, right? You didn't go for any college because that's a Tuchong kind of、yes. Chinese independent school system.、Correct. So how was the transition between like、uh, you know, Kuching is a much lower paced city、mm. to Australia. It was、mm-hmm. very interesting.、Uh, <laughs> I remember my first because I'm actually extrovert and I I love talking.、Mm. I could not go by a day without talking to anyone. I feel, but <laughs> I, so I went to my first arts tutorial and I did not speak、mm-hmm. a single word just because I was like terrified. I feel that so from a Chinese school、um, or like Asian education in general, it's more spoon fed、mm. and we're not、Definitely. used to. Yeah, we're not used to speaking out a lot of our thoughts. I remember I went home that day, and so I I was um my cousin was probably my closest, my best friend in Melbourne. Um, so I told her that I my my aspiration or my goal for the next tutorial is actually just to speak up, to to just say a single word. I remember like in my third year, when when I look back to that first tutorial, I find it so so funny that I actually had a struggle because. You know, we had to do a lot of readings, right? Like, um, in arts and yeah, yeah, yeah.、Mm-hmm. And when I get to that, yeah, it will probably just be sometimes when I don't have time to to do readings, I'll just skim through. I look past like um summary online, and then and then when the teacher asks a question, because senior student, exactly, exactly, it's not that gentle anymore. And I'll I'll still like raise my hand and then just like you know say what I think、mm-hmm. or like what I think based on the summary I've just read, but. A lot of times, when you say it confidently and when you inject in your own thoughts and your own experience, you see people around you just noting it, and I'm like, "Oh my god!、Yeah. I feel like I got this. I've got this." Yeah, it's a, yeah, it's a contrast. When we first moved to a new country as well, we were very much afraid of being judged. Exactly. Yeah. So how how should I present myself? But then you realize that no one really gives a. Fudge about like you know how you are. You just、mm. you should just learn and just do whatever that you think is the best for you at that stage. Exactly. Yeah. And 
And I feel mm-hmm. that you really grow to become more open-minded that way. Australia is also a very popular city for um, international students to study abroad, right? Mm. So did you manage to meet like many people from different countries as well? Yeah, definitely. So I used to be part mm-hmm. of, um, what's that called? Student Union for International Students, basically. Quado, um, Chinese, Malaysian, Singaporean. I feel like you, you also appreciate that, okay, this is my, my how I was brought up. So, But you understand a lot more and you you are able to empathize mm-hmm. a lot more when you meet someone from a different culture because you, you feel that it might not be why. Like you understand a bit more about why they're acting a certain way because of their culture. That was a very short period of uh, time when I went to exchange in France as well. But mm-hmm. just to see how other people live their life actually inspired me to like you know look at the way that I'm living right now yeah. like you know the stereotype that I have on myself not the people around me that have on me mm. it's just it's just a very mind-opening experience as it well is, it is told me that um you picked up like quite a few side jobs um at, when you were still living in Melbourne mm. right like what's the most interesting job that that like you have in your mind right now throughout all the experience there hmm mine are like pretty standard jobs i feel so like nothing uh, but i do enjoy waitressing although it can it was my first job like in in, in melbourne and um because you get mm-hmm. to meet all sort of people you get to talk a lot which is great for me <laughs> but is, I, it, yeah. is it an asian restaurant i'm just curious yeah it's a malaysian restaurant and to be honest i was oh. underpaid then. yeah but waitressing was quite fun it just got really tiring in the end <laughs> oh, you, you have to stand all day right can you guys sit you can't, you can't. I'll, I'll literally take toilet breaks when I get really tired, standing on my feet all day, and then just to sit down on the, on the toilet bowl. <laughs> oh dear. Like, Looney sitting on top of the toilet bowl. I know. <laughs> take How about the graduate job market in Australia in general? Is it possible for non-locals to secure one? Mm. Um, yes, it is, but it can be quite difficult. So when I... Mm. I I tried to get my first grad job. I had endless rejections and to a point where someone calls me out, I, I, I sometimes I can't remember which, which company is this because I applied for <laughs> so many and got, mm-hmm. gotten rejected for so many. But it's, it's hard to find, it's harder to find a job in your profession. So let's say like, I'm doing marketing, mm-hmm. it's probably harder to find a marketing job, but it's not that hard to get a full-time retail job or a waitressing job. But that's probably not what a lot of us want. Is it because of the visa issues or like, what do you think? Why do you think that's like, that's a problem? Yeah. So I think it's a bit of both. Visa definitely because we only get, get um, after graduation, we only get a two years temporary work visa, which means that you can mm-hmm. work two years. But after that, whether or not you get permanent residency, that's a lot of times it's it depending on your degree, on your company, on where, which state mm-hmm. you are, things like that. So visa is definitely one because if you think about it, companies train you up for a year and you're going to leave in another year so it's probably not yeah. ideal for them actually surprising enough both of my grad jobs i got it online through my first one was through linkedin um with oh wow yeah someone from the company reached out and but i was also being mm-hmm. um, quite active on linkedin that time and the second one was uh. actually from instagram which is like crazy wow it's <laughs> crazy that. yeah 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 <laughs> Um, she was saying how she saw that my social media marketing, like my, my, I, I post a lot and I present a lot, um, like sort of like personal branding in a sense. Um, mm-hmm. So she thinks that I would be able to, like I would be more savvy in that sense. Really like interesting way to get like your first corporate job, like 
through Instagram, like <laughs> that's like a new ways of finding a job. I know. <laughs> Luni started Pencil Rocket, a social media marketing company in Malaysia. So, how did it all start, Luni? Mm. So it started when I decided that I want to move back to Malaysia, but I actually wasn't sure whether I want to jump um, into back into corporate, into a, a stable yeah. monthly paycheck in an international company. Hopefully, because I want I don't want Malaysia working culture, or I, just wanna, <laughs> I, I know you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, or I, should I just you know just go all out and start my own business? Okay. So the struggle that time was that. COVID hits right. That was around like maybe February when I February yeah mm-hmm. when I decided that I'm I'm going back all of that and and mm. COVID hits and it's just so scary to think about that people are losing jobs, um, companies are cutting marketing budgets and you know why am I taking this risk to to start my own business and you you sort of have that I, I'm someone who I say is a risk taker and I do love to jump out my comfort zone. But at the same time, it's so scary because I, yeah, I sure. I <laughs> yeah, Malaysia is quite foreign to me in a way because I've been mm. away for so long. And I'm not sure whether people people like it this way, the way I work or, or how do I get mm. my first clients, things like that. But I guess like what really um, drilled into me and made me make the decision to start it was also I felt that at this age, I have probably the least commitments. I can afford to make mistakes. And... You know, I keep thinking about this is I'm probably not experienced enough. I don't have enough um, skills, enough uh, connections, all of that. But in a sense, we'll never be enough. There's always, there's always, we, we can always be better, right? But I can just get a taste of the real world and, and just learn it, learn stuff along the way. And yeah, that's why I just um, decided to start Pencil Rocket Malaysia. I think it's really scary to not take the conventional career path because like it feels like everything is so well planned for you like like of course the path that, I, that I'm, I'm taking right now right mm. so that's a really really courageous move but do you think like that you being able to make this very big move was because like you have built on like so many previous internships or like job experiences mm, I think a lot of it yes it falls back that i feel that i have i have this skill like social media marketing is my gem but essentially i think having that social like that support network it's really important as well like i know that i have mm. um, my australian co-founders to back me up um, my boyfriend supports me my cousin supports me, my family does so in a way and i i believe in trying fast and failing fast too so if uh. like i give myself you know like half your time and I, I didn't make it then no shame I'm I'm just 24 I can still fall back to corporate and get a corporate job if I want to or maybe it's really not what I I, I, I enjoy doing then it's mm-hmm. fine too so I mean that's what really made me took that leap of faith I guess because it was so scary I remember like my, my ex yeah. in Australia was asking me like oh so like that was probably like are you sure? yeah no you should so they were asking like questions like um so, you know, how are you going to find your team? You know, what's your plan for your first client? And I'm like, I don't know, man. I'm just... <laughs> <laughs> I'll just go with the flow. Exactly. Like, my, my plan initially was to go back home and then take a one-month break to Europe. I even bought tickets. And, um, and oh, you bought them already? I did, I did. Yeah, but... Okay, of, okay. Of course, that oh, didn't that happen. Yeah, that's okay, though. Mm-hmm. Um, and, then, mm-hmm. and then come back and then restart, right? 
but mm. of course with COVID everything took a turn and but everything's mm. working really well now and I'm, I'm just really thankful for that there are so many fresh grads out there that are trying to like start their business or just to start their company right after graduation yeah. do you have any advice to give them because even if you don't have a great job, you probably have internships under your belt. And yes. that, that helps to it. And, and a lot of times interning in the company, you see how the company works. You see how people train their staff or like how do they present to clients? How do they talk to people? And I learned mm-hmm. a lot of that from my previous company experience. So if you have that enough, then I think it's, it's sufficient to start your own thing. But if it's like, if you're a fresh piece of paper, then maybe 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 go yes. somewhere else or like at least partner with someone or like work with a team first before like starting your own thing because it, it is a it is not an easy journey like um mm-hmm. even compared to like when i was working in pencil rocket i was i wasn't the founders but i was part of the core team mm-hmm. from the start but comparing that to starting um, pencil rocket myself here in malaysia it is still a big difference and a huge difference in terms of responsibility what you're supposed to do and all of that so it, it's not easy starting a business but it's very very exciting, <laughs> rewarding, I would say. rewarding yeah but very mm-hmm. terrifying at the same time yeah i think i would call it like that's a calculated risk mm-hmm. because like if you know that you're gonna start something then you need to do something about it before you graduate so yes. that you can dive right into it, right? You just don't say that, oh, I'm going to start my company and I'm just going to do it right away when you don't even know how a company works, mm. like you don't know what are the skills that are required. So it it needs to be planned to be able to make such a such a big move, I would say. Agree, agree 100%. Because like even when before I came back mm-hmm. and I was just like, you know, thinking I, I don't know anyone in Malaysia. Um, even, even more so in KL because I'm from Kuching, I'm not from KL but I reached out to some um, so some friends entrepreneur friends in Melbourne who have friends and contacts in Malaysia and then when I went to KL to find my boyfriend I actually just hit them up so I hit them on LinkedIn before um, and then say that mm. I would love to catch up and just understand more about the, the startup scene in Malaysia because they're both they both own their own startups like technology startups and and mm. just doing things like that, it helps you feel that at least you know what you need to work on. I feel like every time I meet up with someone, it, it gives me a bit more direction. I feel like, okay, this is a potential opportunity. I'm going to learn it or I'm going to look into it mm. more. And then it prepares me a bit more when I actually jump into it. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I think it's just better prepared you because like someone that has been there, done that, just like, you know, shared with you their experience. Yeah. Yeah, so like you were in Panzer Rocket before you moved back to Kuching. Like, how what's the difference between the startup scene between Australia and Malaysia? Mm, I probably can only speak for Kuching. I feel that Melbourne or like Australia in general, they're probably more developed market, and there's a lot mm. of um, I guess like more support to to the startups in terms of funding or like you know like guidance or in what sense yeah like funding you get a lot more pitch mm-hmm. nights you get a lot of mm. incubators at co-working spaces like you can see that it's a lot more active I, I'm pretty sure Kale is probably more similar in that sense but like Kuching not so much like it's growing I, I can see a few co-working spaces and um, doing oh, that nice. but mm. it, it's just not as active there's also grants wise a lot more accepting or like at least people know more about it where where yeah. you know, sometimes you really need your friends who are in business to like tell you about it like it's not that well publicized <laughs> like a lot of the support uh, that they have okay. yeah and also i think like um 
is it is it more common to start your own thing um back in back in Australia compared to in Kuching? Would you say yeah. that back in Melbourne? I mean, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay, so on this, uh, I think in Melbourne, it's actually very, mm-hmm. it's very, it's easier to be comfortable with a grad job just because of the oh, yes. wage and it pays mm-hmm. pretty well. You get taken mm-hmm. care of, insurance, everything. Whereas in Kuching, so again, I'm not speaking for whole of Malaysia or KL because I'm not there. But for Kuching, yeah. I feel like a lot of times because um, the starting pay as a grad isn't that high, it's, it's mm, probably okay. a lot of people who have um, are good in certain things. Like if you're good in videography, if you're good in graphic design, a lot of people do tend to study on thing. Mm-hmm. And ah, yeah, interesting. That's, the difference between both sides of Malaysia. Yeah, yeah, because I think. Mm-hmm it's probably not e- that easy to find a good um, company that gives you as much money or satisfaction for the skills and passion mm. you have. So a lot of yeah. times people just tend to do their own thing because they find more happiness that way and, and actually pay-wise is, is better as well. Whereas in mm. Australia, it's just when you get a great job, mm, you're, you're pretty well secured. <laughs> and then the first few years, especially if you, even if you don't convert by currency, right? It's, mm-hmm. you, it's very comfortable, I would say. Yeah, definitely. That's why, like, even in Hong Kong, I went in directly into a graduate program right after my graduation mm. because it feels less scary, I would say. Yeah. Like, everything's all well said. Whereas for your own business, you have to make decisions that will shape how it will be like even tomorrow yes. you know like you can pivot into so many different directions mm, that's true so have pencil rocket pivoted before like you know both in uh, melbourne and, and of course in kitchen um yes so mm-hmm. in melbourne we actually started off as a video production company quite a few of the entrepreneurs or the founders were like oh hey do you guys want to do this for us and we'll pay for it so that was the start of it right so they see that oh okay actually people are willing to pay for it so a few months down the line I joined the team and then people also started asking about oh actually can you help to manage my social media too like what do you guys know about social media marketing so that's why we sort of pivoted more into um, the marketing side of things because Mm. a lot of times you can have a great video but if you don't market it well you you, you're not bringing traffic to it and it's a bit of a waste. So that's where we started doing more about Facebook advertising for, for clients. And then, so it's mm. it's, it's really, I guess like when you're <laughs> It's old, a long journey. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it depends on the skill sets that um, the team has during that time as well because like mm-hmm. eventually, and then I, I, I learned about chatbot marketing and how it has huge mm, potential. Yeah. So I started doing mm-hmm. that and then, that's where when I brought it back to Malaysia, that this is one of our core services right now as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's tough to admit that, like, you know, hey, we're going to pivot because oftentimes people will associate it as like a startup failure. Yeah. But I think it's it's a courageous move, you know, like, you know, if you know what went wrong and you know how to improve it, then that's definitely not failure. You're actually trying to make it work again. Yeah, for sure. And also mm-hmm. I feel like, sometimes pivoting is really just based on that current situation. Like when I came back to Malaysia, I mm-hmm. knew for the fact that I'm not going to specialize in videos just because that's not mm. my forte. And that was very clear. Yeah, like I like Panther mm-hmm. Rocket Malaysia is going to focus on 
face like we're still a social media agency but we're gonna specialize mm-hmm. in facebook advertising and chatbot marketing because that's mm-hmm. what i'm good in fine mm-hmm. if you re- recognize what's your strengths and j- j- just go that way i feel like that pivot is okay too so if you guys ever see the tapao podcast is like you know pivoting and you know what happened <laughs> how are Sorry? you how are you pivoting actually like um, um I'm, I'm not too sure because I just started it it's only been like six to eight episodes so I'm I'm gonna see how receptive like the audiences are towards like you know which episode is more popular and then yeah. I'll see where I'll go from there onwards yeah makes sense makes sense like to- like listening to where your audience mm-hmm. what your audience like I think that's very important as well uh, you also mentioned that you know when you first uh return home to Kuching like it was scary because you don't really have like much connections here because you have established everything in Melbourne, right? Mm. So how did you actually like 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 close your first client case? Yeah. So I I have to say that I'm very lucky and quite mm-hmm. thankful as well because my family is in business. MCO, which is like the lockdown period, that's the mm-hmm. only good thing that came out from it, I guess, from a business perspective is that people, Business mm. owners are starting, really starting to acknowledge the importance of going digital. Oh, online. yes. Yeah. And yeah. when their offline sales team can't work, they really can't generate sales. And mm-hmm. that's that's my first approach where, so my uncle is in um, develop, he, he's a developer in Kuching. And I know mm. that offline sales team would, wasn't able to work during that period. So that's where I put together a proposal. Um, including like chatbot marketing. So essentially, and Facebook ads. So essentially, you put an ad out there, people click into the project, let's say, yeah, like 400,000 projects, and then you can see all the project details, the location, the floor plan in the messenger, and all of this is automated. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's like a robot. Automated replies. Yes, mm. and then whoever is still interested, so they will, they can click contact sales team, and that's your lead right there, which is generated on Wow. Yeah, so it's, it's something that, I think was exceptionally receptive during that period mm. because otherwise mm. I would imagine a lot of business owners would probably be like, oh, you know, that's what my sales team are for. That's why we do roadshows for, like in the properties um, mm. industry at least. So I I I came I put together the proposal, pitched to him, and he took a chance on me. And that was my first client. My second client was actually also so um there was this community where it's like a foodie, coaching foodie community. And then I built a mm-hmm. headboard for it because um, my bro- my brother took over the, the the group during MCO period. So I built a chatbot for it. Um, wow. And then one of a very big franchise bakery, like bakery franchise mm-hmm. in Kuching, they, they used the chatbot and he was also my brother's friend. And then he really, mm-hmm. he really liked it. And he himself struggled during MCO because... Um, it was Mother's Day mm-hmm. and then they had too many inquiries about cakes and orders uh, that him and his team mm-hmm. were just like struggling to reply back. So he was like, this is mm-hmm. great. This automates the process. So he called my brother up and asked who did it. And my brother mm-hmm. said, oh, me. You know? And then he passed over the contact. I video called him next day mm-hmm. or like a week after I was building his chatbot. And, and you know, like at that point, we haven't really had any chatbot clients in Melbourne at that point mm, wow <laughs> people usually think that marketing is for you know big companies because when a business is small they usually are quite tight on their marketing resources mm. what's your take um yes and no i mean like there's mm-hmm. always i feel like marketing is something that almost every business need whether or not yes. social media marketing is required that's probably another story just because like for b2b um facebook is probably not the best 
or like the most ideal place to be. Everyone needs it. It's just how you choose your channels and content and platform wisely. Yeah, so for B to C, is it like, I think social media is quite important, right? Even for small businesses. Mm, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so like, um, like, why is it important? Like, you know, like if I have a good product, like for example, I'm, I bake great cakes. Like, why is it important for me to also invest in, you know, social media marketing as well, especially yeah. during this period of time? Sure. So the thing is, you can have a great product or service, mm-hmm. but if no one knows about it, it's a bit of a pity. Waste. Yeah, it's, it's mm-hmm. such a waste because yeah. um, people don't know about how great it is until you market it or you publicize it. And the thing why social media marketing is so powerful is that everyone is being online. And especially during these times, everyone is really being online. And they can't really be anywhere else. They can't, they can't, it's hard to set out events, roadshows, you know, all of that um, where, where we used to be. But everyone is shifting to being on Facebook, Instagram, even our parents on Facebook more than me, I feel sometimes. Oh, Facebook Live. (laughs) No, yeah. And and things like that, it just means that you're missing out on a huge piece of the pie if you're not online. It's so easy to be online right now. Like, you don't even need a professional marketer to help you out. Especially, we have all the content out there that you can be posting and creating. So there's no reason to not be online if you have a business yourself. Mm. And of course, if your business needs social media marketing services, please reach out to Looney. Yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so for those that are trying to build their social media presence, can you share with us a tip in you know managing Instagram? Sure. So is it more towards personal or professional? Uh, professional. First thing first is understanding who your audience are, understanding mm-hmm. who your competitors are, so how you can do that with the audience part is oftentimes when you look at your competitors first, I think that's always the easier approach. And then you look at the content that they're posting, right? You you analyze which one actually has the most engagement because that's a good starting point, especially if you haven't been posting any content at all. Because yeah. um, oftentimes you can look at the big ones and the small ones because the big ones are good to figure out which is already working. The small one is good so you have a fairer comparison. But look at the content, mm-hmm. look at the engagement. Um, and then from there, work out what sort of content you would like your audience to see. Mm-hmm. So I actually read one of your one of the articles on Pencil Rockets about like, you know, how to manage your Instagram or the tips. Right. So one thing that I learned, right, is that you it will be helpful if you include some keywords so you can enhance your SEO. So after that, I straight away <laughs> changed my um, Instagram description, nice. even though it's not for a professional. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah that, that's really important because like sometimes mm-hmm. when we look up like cakes, let's say cakes, kuching, really that, that makes a difference because it's probably some of the first few profiles that pop up. Yeah. yeah. And also even using that, hashtags mm-hmm. because, you know, when back to that um, question on how the recruiter found me, on Instagram, I mm-hmm. actually asked her about it, and I believe it's one of Pencil Rocket Melbourne posts that introduces about me, mm. that introduces the team, mm-hmm. and then it has a hashtag <laughs> social media marketing Melbourne or something like that. You know how I discover you, Uni? Oh, I how? think that's a, that's an interesting yeah. side of story from me. So I um I googled search, I don't know, I Instagram search like you know a Malaysia flag and and Australia's flag, and then I found you. That's right. how I. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my Power god. of SEO, man, guys. <laughs> That's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. So you're currently back in Kuching. How are you feeling? You know, 
back in back in Melbourne, like we you probably spend a lot of time by yourself, right? Mm. Right now, you know, you're with your family twenty four seven. Yes. Um reverse culture shock is real when you come back <laughs> from abroad. Yeah. Um I mean like the best part is just being back with family. Um so so I mean like it it means like, you know, you don't have to cook. I'm not cleaning much, which uh, is amazing. And I get I get meals, <laughs> hot meals, and that's the best. Like I miss my mom's cooking so much. Um, but at the same time, it's it's also the fact that living with parents again sometimes means that curfew start again. It's like I'll, oh no, I know. It's like you guys forget that I've been abroad for like six years and I'm gonna go back home. And by one a.m. things like that, the phone start ringing at twelve. So, Girl, where are you now? Yeah. Are you going to come back soon? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm about to pick you up or not. Got drink? Uh, like things like that. Uh, so, uh, don't drink too much. Uh. Yes. And <laughs> so you just have to get used to that part. And also just some little things. I mean, like, um, you know, like how the toilets don't have tissues. Um, it's, oh, yeah. It's, I'm still not used to it. Don't remind me about it. <laughs> <laughs> because Australia has been, you know, been so spoiled with like everything. And, and you know, like how mm. handbags, you can just leave it on the table. Whereas Malaysia, probably oh. not. <laughs> you know, I went out with my um, purse and my phone the other day uh, when I came back during Chinese New Year. Right. And then my, my boyfriend was like, hey, you know, you shouldn't do that, right? <laughs> dangerous, right? People can splash shit on a motorbike or things like that. Yeah, we're so spoiled by, you know, Australia and Hong Kong. Really. Yeah, because like it's it's it is different like safety wise everything mm. right. So you know, especially during this period of time, there are quite some overseas Malaysians that are considering to relocate back home. Yeah. And then they're probably feeling quite anxious about the uncertainties. Any advice for them? It's not as bad as you mm. think. Like were you really anxious before you moved back to Kuching? Like how did you feel? Yeah, like right was, before the move. I was quite, I was quite, I wouldn't say anxious, but I was uncertain of what mm. to expect. Yeah. Especially when I think about moving. <laughs> at least in Kuching, it's somewhere where I grew up and spent like 10 plus years of my life, right? But mm-hmm. it, it can be quite unsettling. I was like, you know, I'm Malaysia. I'm Malaysian. If I can survive in Melbourne where people don't relate that much to my culture, my identity, I'm going to be fine here. Like, I speak a language. Mm-hmm. You know, I know the people. You go, girl. Yeah, like, <laughs> like that That comes you, I feel. And mm-hmm. also just understand that there will be differences. There will be things that you need to get used to. But again. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And maybe don't compare as much, but just try to make the best out of it. And also know that you do have an advantage of being overseas be it like studying or working, yes because it changes you mm-hmm. as a person makes you more open-minded but at the same time be humble because i think what i'll find really annoying if i am a lo- local kuching or local malaysian and then there's this guy or girl who came back thinking that they're this big shot from, from oh, so superior yeah, yeah 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 so like even though you know that you yeah your english is better or like you can be more open-minded but also stay humble in that sense. I think it helps to yes. integrate a lot more locally. There's this common social stigma where people often associate, you know, returning from home, returning home from overseas with failure. Yeah. You know, like coming home does not mean failure. It just simply means that you're courageous enough to accept that, hey, things are not working out, out in the country that I was in. Yeah. I'm going to head back home and see what I can do about it. Right? Exactly, yeah. I feel like... Mm-hmm. Um, well, first thing first, like when people ask me about it, a lot of times they're like, oh, why not 
why don't you stay in Australia? It's so great. But I mean, like, I just tell them mm-hmm. that, like, you know, like the visa problems, there's like my partner's here. Mm-hmm. Also, I'm not willing to, to move cities for to get a visa. And I, yeah, mm, in Australia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because Malaysia has heaps of opportunities, especially if you're doing a business. So that sense, it's fine. And I think it's even more fine now that it's COVID. Like, it's hard to say. Like, you can't tell someone who just got fired in the airline industry, you know, that they are, they are not doing well just because it's the industry that's not doing well. And then that's a right. lot of times it's out of our control, like environmental factors like this. Mm-hmm. And when the time is right again, you can always embark on your new journey. Yeah, yeah, sure. What's one thing that you are really grateful for throughout this pandemic? Mm, I think family, because mm. it felt that like I complain a lot about about them <laughs> and to them, but 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 all in all, I really appreciate that I know there's someone that I can really rely on during these times. Just thinking that, you know, I'm living with them, I'm well taken care of, that someone who loves me unconditionally, it, it makes me feel a lot stronger and I feel like I can do a lot more stuff because I don't need to worry about these mm. kind of things. And you managed to spend more time with your nieces. Yeah, They're so cute. I know. <laughs> so cute. Like, so naughty, but so cute at the same time. <laughs> yeah, so thank you so much, Luni, for being a part of this podcast. Tell us how we can stay connected with you. Absolutely. Um, feel free to follow me on Instagram or just drop me a DM mm-hmm. called Looney Tunes so like you know like Looney Tunes but it's spelled differently so L-U-N-N-I-E-T-O-N-S yeah or you can always add me on LinkedIn if you want to just be more professional and want to talk about professional stuff I guess it's just yep. adulting on that LinkedIn follow Looney to learn more about you know her journey with Pencil Rocket as well Yes, I am a person who does share a lot about my life. (laughs) Thank you so much, Looney. No worries. Thanks so much for inviting. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Tapao Podcast. I hope that you have enjoyed today's content. Don't forget to click on the subscribe button and stream all of our episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and YouTube. Are you interested in becoming a part of this podcast? Drop me a DM on Instagram at jaida underscore ow. Stay healthy, stay safe. I'm Jada L from the Tapao Podcast and I'll talk to you in the next episode.